Let's take our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We'll begin here this morning and uh, come back to this text uh, a couple times throughout the message. And uh, Matthew chapter 5. Three weeks ago, I preached from 1 Kings chapter 18 and introduced you some applications from Elijah doing some things before he prayed. It was not my intent at all to go this long uh, from that subject, from those applications, but the Holy Spirit has kind of guided it this way for a purpose, and so I'm just being obedient to the Lord. And uh, you notice in chapter 18, verse 30 of 1 Kings, that he repaired an altar of the Lord. He was doing something in repair work before coming and giving his petition in verse 36 and 7. And the next three verses, it says, he began to prepare some things uh, around the altar before he spoke to the Lord. So the application has been, the last couple Sundays here, is some things that would we need to deal with by way of repair uh, that would uh, be helpful for us and give us the assurance that God will hear us when we pray. We talked about that if there's iniquity in my heart, uh, the Lord will not hear me. Uh, we're talking about confessing and forsaking our sins uh, before we have that intimacy with Christ in, in, in offering prayer and request to Him. Last Sunday, we talked about uh, hearing His law, lest our prayers will be an abomination. And so there's something that needs to be repaired there. And so the lesson last week is loving the Bible, being obedient to the Scriptures. And then a third application we brought three weeks ago was reminded to us from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23, and that is our confession and our conversation with others who have something against us before we pray. When you leave this morning, I prepared for you, and uh, I think we'll have them at the back doors as you're leaving this morning, some one another passages. And I thought this might be helpful after the message for you to digest and to discern uh, the numbers of Scripture that gives the positive commands concerning our relations with our brothers and sisters, and then also some negative commands as to how not to treat our brothers and sisters. And I believe this would be a good resource to you if you meditate upon these Scriptures and probably be helpful uh, in many areas of your relationships, especially those who are in the household of faith. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, a message I'm bringing this morning. Be reconciled. Your brother has something against you. Be reconciled because your brother's got something against you. Matthew 5, verse number 23. The Scripture says, So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, and go, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. And uh, so, uh, from that text this morning, there's uh, the application, the starting point where I'm going to lead you this morning in the message. The context of Matthew chapter 5 is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in this sermon, he deals in this context of Matthew 5, concerning the first 16 verses, if we could have the next slide, please, concerning the attitudes that are ours. Uh, the attitudes, I think we missed a slide there, I'm not sure. But uh, the Sermon on the Mount concerning our attitudes, verse 1 to 16, 
But when you get to verse 17 and go through the rest of the chapter, chapter 6 and 7, he's dealing with our actions. He deals with our attitudes first and then our actions. He names eight blessed attitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse number 9. Look what he says concerning our attitude. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called uh, for they shall see God, and they shall be called the sons of God. And then when you go down to verse 21 and verse number 25, you can make application on both sides of the offender and the one who's been offended. But there's a reference in verse 21 and 22 about being angry and, and hurting your brother. And it talks about murder in verse number 21. And whosoever murders will be liable to the judgment. And whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. But then when you go down to verse 23 and 24, you can see two pictures here. But, but uh, you see the one who is also the offender, but it also gives a reference to the one who's offended. I think the overall application of verse 21 to 25, particularly in verse 23 and 24, uh, it, it, the, the, the foot can wear both shoes on both sides being the person who's been the offender and the person who has been offended. I think there's an application in verse 23 and 4 for both of them to pay attention here before you pray. If you've transgressed, if you've murdered, if you've been angry, if you've had actions in sin towards a brother or sister, and then when you're at the altar and pray, and you remember, verse 23, you remember, you remember that your brother's sister, humankind, the body of Christ, there's someone who's got something against me. And the idea here is in verse number 23 and 24 is to be reconciled, leave the place of bringing sacrifice and service to God and even times of prayer and communion with God. Leave that moment and go take care of some business. I'll be honest with you. This is uh, my personal opinion by way of interpretation that I think there's overwhelming scriptures throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament, that reminds us that we need to be right with man in order to be right with God. We need to think about our justification on the manward side as well as our justification on the Godward side. Here's a verse in Matthew 5, 23 that kind of gives us that information. Before you do business with me, take time to make right with those that are against you. If there's a disfellowship, uh, if there's something that's of an offense, especially in the sinful area, it needs to be dealt with. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. So the context of Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount deals with the attitude of being a peacemaker. Make peace. Make it. Don't wait for it. Don't hope it comes. Don't pray for peace. Make your peace. Be a peacemaker. And then he puts this into action in verse number 23. Go make peace with your brother if he's got something against you. Now, uh, let's talk about offenses just for a moment. Let, let's face it. How many have ever been offended before? Oh, yeah. How many have committed an offense? Oh, yeah. Guilty, 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 hundreds and thousands of times in my personal life. 
When I think about an offense towards me, it's not always a transgression, a willful sin to murder and to kill me and to, and to do evil against me in a sinful manner. Offenses sometimes come not in that, that strong light of willful, transgressive type of sins, just out of disobedience what God has spoken. But offenses can come to me when someone's being careless with me. It offends me. Man, I, I thought I was your friend. You had a birthday party and you didn't invite me. Carelessness sometimes. And sometimes when you approach it, oh, I've forgotten. There's that carelessness. Sometimes it's out of weakness. Someone who's on the thin skin side and is on the weak side can, can, can trip people over and just, just throw out offenses all the time. Their carelessness and their weakness. Sometimes, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Now, this is not necessarily a Bible lesson. This is just a, a little introduction lesson here for you. Sometimes offenses come because of our personality differences. They're prone to create offenses with the differences we have in our personalities. They sometimes use, let me use that word, clash. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Personality differences sometimes can clash, causing an offense. Sometimes I have a different opinion than you. And my opinion can be an offense towards the position that you hold on something. It offends you. Oh, yeah. Happens. Conversation. It offends me. I see that political sign in your yard. I, I can't believe you ain't voting for the guy. You know, it offends me. And sometimes the way you promote your differences through your personality difference. Sometimes a person will offend me by unintentionally missing my standard or what we would call missing my mark. This is where I am, and this person creates an offense because they're not like me. They're missing what I believe and what I hold to and what I desire and what I think is right. And they're, they're, they're not paying attention to my wisdom that just flows out of me all the time. I'm a wisdom bucket, and they're kicking my wisdom bucket. And, and they're missing the standard that I believe is best in a situation. And sometimes if I'm not careful, I get offended by that because you don't see it like I do by way of your opinion, by way of your personality difference, the way you where you, you share the difference to me or by, the, by just an unintentional missing mark. But let's go a little further. And here's the one I think the Scripture is teaching about very specifically. And that is we can offend others by our sin. We can offend others by our sin. Sometimes the offense is just the burden that a loved one's in sin. It's not a personal transgression towards me. But I'll tell you where it gets really personal, and I struggle the most, is when you start sinning against me. You steal what I own. You lie about me. You break the Ten Commandments. You break all six of God's latter Ten Commandments towards me personally. Man, that's the one that I have to really pay attention to. The greatest offense is that sinful 
offense. So they come in many manners and many ways, and many times it's just plain out sin. So the lesson is, this is a brother or sister, person in the household of faith, another Christian. What are we to do? This relates in marriage, our children, our, our communities, our Christian communities. Our little, some of you are, are, are part of four or five or six groups within the church here, let's say. And, and then the church membership as a whole. This is, it, it raises a lot of levels in the Christian life, the association relations that we have. So what does the Bible say to the offenders? What does the Bible say to you that have been offended or to those who create offenses? 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, Take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak person. Creates an offense. Now, this is the person who is an offender. You're offending people. Here's what the Bible says to you. Take care of this right that you have. What you're doing, not wrong. God approves of it. But take care that you don't take your right and what you believe and what you stand upon to be a stumbling block to someone who's weaker than you are in the faith. Romans 14, 13, a little bit along that same line. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Mark that in your Bible, Romans 14, verse number 13. Never put a stumbling block, never put a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is in itself is unclean, but in itself, but is, is unclean in itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Man, nothing wrong with eating this stuff. Paul says, but pause just a minute. Stop eating it if it's going to cause the weaker brother to stumble. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and of peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Somebody asked me one time, what's the kingdom of God? I just read it right there. Peace and joy in, in the Holy Ghost and righteousness. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. So then, this I'm talking out to you people who offend people. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Okay? Now that goes to one of those categories we mentioned in that first screen. Not a sinful thing, perhaps, or, or that first mention I brought to you. The numbers of ways we offend people. So he says, be careful. 2 Corinthians 6.3, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Got to be wise here. I don't want to create an offense. So don't put obstacles in people's way. It's found in ministry. Luke 17, 1 and 2. He said to the disciples, temptation to sin are sure to come. 
But woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. And I'm going to explain that in just a little bit, okay? My offense sometimes creates a temptation for the offended person to sin. And Jesus said, woe to you offenders who make people get offended and allow them to enter into and create sin because of the offense. Malachi 3.8 says, but you have sinned aside from the way you've caused many to stumble by your instruction. This is in relation to the priest of the Old Testament. They were corrupting the things of God and the manners of God, the place of God and the, and the house of God, especially uh, chapter one, verse uh, chapter one, verse number seven and following, you'll see that. And he says in chapter two, you've turned aside from the way, speaking of the priest, and caused many to stumble. And then it's given to us first Corinthians ten thirty two, give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks, or listen, or to the church of God. Don't you offend Salem Baptist Church people. Give no offense to Jews, to the Greeks, or to the church of God. Thus says the Lord, 1 Corinthians 16, 32. And then the latter verse we read a while ago. There should be no delay in thinking about, I'm an offender. Verse 21, 22, 23, I'm an offender. Okay, leave, leave, leave the altar. Leave working and dealing with me, the spiritual things on your side, your relationship with God. Take care of things and be reconciled to the brother where there is an offense. Good lesson for us. Now, what does the Bible say about those who've been offended? Let me give you some scriptures here. I've been offended, okay? Can I, I don't know why this is. I, maybe the Lord will see this played out in the days to come and affirm why it's this way. But I was led this morning to give more of a message towards those of us that have been offended. We talk about the offender, all the warnings, be careful. But what are you supposed to do when you've been offended by a personality clash, a difference of opinion, someone being careless and reckless and being weak? or maybe even transgressed against you in a sinful manner. What does the Bible say about those who are offended? Proverbs 18, verse 19 says about you that's been offended. Here's what the Bible says about you. If you're offended, here's what the Bible says about you. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling like the bars of a castle. A person has a tendency to become tenacious when they are offended and to become stiff when they are offended, resistant when they are offended, holding back, slow to reconciliation. They appear that they've been hurt, and sometimes the offense turns on steroids of the hurt side to create ugly things that we should never do, words we should never say, 
a lot of times goes through the attitude of anger. And I believe all of us can say, I know what you're talking about, preacher. There's times that I've been offended. It got me bent out of shape. I was fine before it happened. I had nothing against that person before then. We was doing fine. Matter of fact, this offense, I've heard people say, been brothers and sisters for years, but this was like a stab in the back. It hurt. And I'm talking to offenders. Here's what the Bible says about you. You develop into an unyielding person. More unyielding than a city that is strong to want to yield and lay down their rights. And let the oppressor come in and be the winner, the victor. That's how strong it turns into. Quarreling like the bars of a castle, holding your ground. I've been offended. And you're going to hold that position. Hebrews 12, verse 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. I'm talking to you people that have been offended. Now listen to me. I'm, I'm here to help you from the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. See to it. Don't ever fail to obtain God's grace. That's really what you need when you're offended. But see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And not only you are troubled, you take your trouble and you defile many people in your company. You listening? Leaning toward an unyielding place, an offense. Don't let the grace of God flow out of you. Keep it obtained. And if you don't, there's a root of bitterness. Not saying you're going to be bitter. Oh, I'm not, I'm not bitter. You go, I'm not bitter. No, but there, is there a root down? There's a, a root. Don't let the root stay there. Listen to the scripture. This is to the offended person. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is glory to overlook an offense. You've got the right to overlook it. There's two good things in that verse I like. Good sense and glory. I want the both, don't you? <laughs> I want good sense, and I want the glory. Good sense Slow it down. Think about it. Filter it. Walk through this. Reread them scriptures. Take them verses Pastor Tommy's passing out at the end of the day and, and, and memorize a few of them verses. Calm down. Look at the word. Good sense makes you slow to anger and can become in a glory to overlook an offense. Y'all didn't know this was in the Bible, did you? Scripture loaded. When you're offended, go to the Word. 
There's instructions for you. There's help for you. There's your response. Don't let it be reaction. Let it be response. Respond properly to the Holy Spirit, to his word. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths when you've been offended. Something else. Matthew 6, 15. But if you don't forgive others your trespassers, neither will your father forgive your trespassers. Now, that's talking to the offended person. Ephesians 4, 26, be you angry not. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Ecclesiastes 7, 21, do not take heart all the things that people say. Let's just stop right there. You get it? Don't take it to heart, everything that people says. If you're careless and you're weak-skinned, you let that go right in your offense bucket and you, you have a difficult time dealing with it. You wipe a lot of people off your friends list real fast. People tell me something. I'm going through my friends book page and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm deleting. Lot. Okay, that's fine. You'll do the same thing in life. Don't take heart all things people say, lest you be your servant cursed you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have offended and cursed others. Proverbs 51, a soft answer turns away wrath. Now, these are verses for the offended person. How many say, I'm the offended person? You're listening in real good, aren't you? Listen, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And notice something about. In the offended mode, what happens? Psalm chapter 55, the psalmist said, verse 12, it's not an enemy that taunts me, then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from it. But it's you, a man, my equal, my familiar friend. Not the enemy. It's not the adversary. It's my friends that failed me. My companions, my equal. Pop put that in marriage, wouldn't you? Men and wife made equal together in marriage, coming together. My equal. It ain't the enemy. It's not the opposer. The offense is from my friends. So I want to give you a closing lesson this morning if I can. This has all been introduction. Let me give you the message if I can in about five or six minutes. I need you to go back to the book of Leviticus with me. Go back to Leviticus, open your Bibles, and go to Leviticus. And we'll come to this passage in just a moment. Verse 17 and 19. There's two warnings in this passage. It says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. That's Leviticus 19 and 17. Chapter 19, verse 17. Two things that he warns us in that first portion there, and that is, do not hate your brother in your heart. Do not let sin 
enter you. Okay? So don't hate your brother in your heart. Don't let sin enter you. Now, there's three instructions here to the offended person. Okay, now there's more throughout the scriptures, a whole lot more. But I just want to use this Old Testament passage to make a good application for us. Three instructions. It says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. The first thing I put down is, do not hate him, but go to him. If you're going to speak frankly, you've got to go to that person. Now, that lesson's given us in Matthew chapter 18. You know that passage well. And it talks about uh, going to that person, uh, that person that's in sin, person who's been founded to be the offender. And you go and you speak to them alone. But it talks about the word go in Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 18, 15. It says, go, go, go. Don't hate, but go to him. Why? Because you'll be able to speak to him alone if you go to him. And if you're taking notes, will you put a princess down here? A personal body, eye-to-eye conversation, there ain't no better conversation on the entire planet than that. It beats a text. It beats an email. It beats a letter. It beats a phone call. It beats Zoom. It beats FaceTiming. If it's possible, face to face. And when you call them, don't make them nervous and suspicious. Go and let them know the subject on hand as to why I want to go and talk to you, okay? Don't call people that I need to talk. I want to talk to you. Don't tell them why. Give them, give them, give them, give them the ballpark of what the conversation will be about. Go to them, okay? You go so you can see them alone. Number two, you go because you don't want grudges to turn into vengeance. Look in chapter 17, chapter 19, verse 17. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. Verse 18, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. Offended people sometimes have this temptation to bear a grudge. They have a temptation uh, to, to be in a place where they desire vengeance upon this situation. Uh, they want repayment for it. There's a debt that's got to be paid, and only the offender can pay that debt. And so we desire vengeance. And so because you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't hate them, you go to them because your grudge won't turn into vengeance. Uh, and so uh, uh, do your best. You may not be able to speak to them that day, but begin working in your heart uh, that conversation. And uh, so uh, it's the conversation to go to them and speak. I don't hate them, but I'm going to go to them. And as I speak to them, I'm not going to injure that person with vengeance. Uh, all that's going to do is accumulate strength for my grudge. That's going to put my grudge in jeopardy. It's more vengeance I create, the more grudge I hold. And here's what the Bible says to you if you've been offended. It says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. Vengeance is the Lord's. God is the repayer. Remember that. And so, a good lesson for us. And another reminder to us, uh, Matthew 18, 15, you go to your brother and you tell him his fault between him 
alone. And if he listens, you've gained your brother. I like that. Ephesians 4.26 reminds us this last thing. You go to him without hating him because you won't give place or opportunity to wrath or the devil. Be angry and sin not. Do not sin, Ephesians 4.26. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So if you're offended, Leviticus tells us, first of all, we're to go to them for good reason. Vengeance, hatred, uh, grudges, and spite can be avoided if I can quickly get to this offense that I've received. And do before the sun goes down, if possible. At least in my heart, rehearse what I need to do as I schedule this appointment, this opportunity to speak. Number two, in chapter 19, verse 17, it says to reason frankly. Look at it, verse number 17. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. Reason frankly. If you don't, sin will begin to develop inside of you, because that's the next word it says. You need to reason frankly with your neighbor. Be careful unless sin starts creeping in on you and incurs in you. Do you see that, verse 17? Reason frankly, lest sin is incurred in your life before it develops. If you don't reason frankly, you'll want to settle the score. That's where verse 18 comes in. You'll want to have vengeance to play out. If you don't reason frankly, verse 17, you're going to hold the grudge. You're never going to, what you need to do is clear the offense. Make the attempt to clear, and that's Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Go to your brother. If he's got something against you, be reconciled. Clear, get the offense taken care of. Clear the offense. And so don't hate him. Reason frankly with your brother. And when you do, little bit of a, a little bit of helpful instruction time. Don't be point blank to what you feel and, and to accuse him of something perhaps that is just a little bit in the gray area that's not 100% on the mark. Rather, with a humble, you're the one who initiated the conversation. You're the one who's going. You're the one who's wanting to speak frankly. You're the one who's wanting to clear the offense. You should be at this time, after going through scriptures, after taking those verses you're going to get at the end of the service this morning, after you practice some of that stuff, you're going to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. That's going, to be the, that's going to be the attitude you have by this time, by the time you actually say the first thing to this person who's offended you. And what you can say in humility is you can talk about the grievance, but maybe call it maybe by way of a perception or by how it made me feel or what is going on in my emotion because of what has happened and occurred in our relationship. I believe you've done this to sin against me. I believe maybe not knowingly, but this caused offense that you're unaware of. And you, 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 you passionately, carefully select your words and respond to a Christ-like attitude as you speak to the person who sinned against you and offended you. All right? And then lastly, don't hate them. But look what verse 18b says. It says, now this is to the offended, okay? 
Here's what it says. Okay? It reminds us you need to go. You need to speak frankly. And you need to love them like you love yourself. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And oh, by the way, I'm the Lord. That's who's saying this. I'm the Word of God. I'm telling you, you need to go to your fender and get to a position where you can say to that neighbor and treat him, I love you like I love myself. And then you come back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, and then come back to the altar and prayer. And, and then you mark up how many points your score on your prayer list when you've done this and you need to do this compared to when you didn't do it and you started to pray and you find out how weak you are in your prayer, how less you get answered, how much the Holy Spirit does not have control, how much place you've given to the devil, how much anger and grudge that you have, and you want to go ask God to be good to you. Oh, no, huh? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Ain't that hard? <laughs> That's a hard one. I'm the Lord. Y'all do it now. Get to that place. I've given you the word. You can do it. I'm not asking you to do something you can't. I've commanded you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Get rid of the offense. I like that. And if you go frankly and go to your neighbor and forgive and love, let me give you the blessing. If this happens, if you can get this far being offended, let me tell you what happens to you. You get this. You get these promises in the scriptures that the person who remains offended does not get. They get the grudge. They get the vengeance. They get the hate. They're hard-hearted. They're like that strong castle. But if you complete Leviticus 19, I hope you underline. Turn that page your Bible. Go look at it again today. I hope you study and apply. Let the Spirit reveal to you from Old Testament Scripture, the Pentateuch. This is what you do when you're offended. Verse 17 and 18. And here's what it says. If you go and talk frankly and forgive, your prayers will be effective. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray one for another. Why? That the prayers of a righteous person has great working power as it's working. It has an effectiveness. It's the effectual, fervent prayer. A good application is I need to make things right with people that I am wrong with. You see, I'm the offender. The offender has caused me to sin. I got anger. God doesn't want me to be angered. Holding grudges. I'm hating. If that's created sin in your life as the offended person, confess your faults one to another. Have y'all ever had a meeting? Y'all called a time? Everybody come tomorrow night, Monday at 7 o'clock. What we're going to do tomorrow night is we're going to confess our sins to each other in the church house. That'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Who 
would want to come to such a meeting as that? All right, do it on your own time then. That's, that's fine. Just take care of your own business in the church. But it's here. We got one another's in the scripture that have sinned against each other and they ain't talking about it. They're having no conversation. They're having no confessions. And God says if you do that first, your prayers are going to get a lot of effect and begin to work. I like that. Psalm 133 verse 1 says this. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. There's a sweetness in a relationship. John 17, 22, the glory that you've given me, Jesus prayed, I've given to them that they may be one as we are one. God gets his glory. God is glorified when relationships appear as one. And by the way, the unity is not based upon you and that person. It's always based upon Jesus. And that's a, that's a lesson I'll teach y'all later. We've got this misapplication. That we want to get unified in the church. Well, it's going to all want to get along. That ain't going to work. You ain't never going to get along. But you line up with Christ, it'll show straighten things up. You talk about unity. And that's what Jesus, as one, Jesus prayed for the unity found in him. He's designed us. It glorifies the Father. When all these offenses have been cleared. And greater than that is this, and I like John chapter 13, verse 35, or not greater, but just as great is the world knows you're my disciples. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And so I pray the Spirit of God will speak to whom needs to be spoken to the loudest. I pray God will convict you deeply. And bring you to confession. And you do what the Bible says this morning. Tell yourself you're going to line it up. It's going to be hard, I know. I've never done it. I don't want to do it, Lord. It's difficult. But ask God to give you the sweet spirit of his power to enable you to have a conversation where it's needed inside these walls. Maybe for some it's needed inside your little cars when you go home to church. They just, just the two of you together got something there. It might be needed tomorrow morning at the schoolhouse. It might be needed in faculty meeting or staff meeting. Deacons need to talk a little bit. But there's stuff going on. We've got to leave the altar before we believe God's going to do something for us. We've got to take care of the business that's laying right before our eyes. And sometimes it's the offenses we've received or the offenses that we have given that God delights for us to give us the power. As the worship team is coming forward, I want to give you on my last slide just a question. Is there someone you need to go to and see today? Is there someone you need to speak frankly with? Is there someone you need to forgive and love? I ask you to do it before you sin. Why would you want such sin to be in your life?